Today's staff is Chafalef, and we uh, continue with the whole discussion about the drinking of the water and um, the ability for merit to forestall the punishment. So, um, and the Mishnah said that sometimes merit can forestall it one or two or three years. Um, and now we continue with two dots, about six lines from the top. So uh, let's continue. Sometimes merit can forestall um, as much as uh, three years. So the Gemara says, um, What type of merit will have that power to forestall that long? If it's the schus of learning Torah, which is interesting, because later the Mishnah talks about learning Torah either as a good thing, so she'll understand if and why the water didn't work, or as a bad thing that it will give her a um, a way to, um, you know, uh, cheat the system. So here, though, the Gemara is maybe picking up on that, or we'll see in a minute maybe why that is, but the Gemara is saying that maybe it's the merit of learning Torah. If a woman learns Torah, maybe that has the merit of forestalling the uh, punishment of the Sota. So, Ile Mezuchus to Torah, Ha'ena Mitzuviliose. But she's not commanded to learn Torah. So it doesn't imagine that the merit of that, even though it's obviously the merit of Talmud Torah, but given that it's an Ena Mitzuvah type of a merit, it would not be strong enough to forestall punishment. El is Zuchus to Mitzvah. Maybe it's other Mitzvah that she does. So the Gemara says, Zuchus to Mitzvah mean the Ganekulei Since when does Mitzvah have that type of a power of protection from, uh, from punishment? Vatani, we taught in Brisa. This is what Reb Nachem Brebiosi teaches, and presumably nothing to do with Sosa, a general, a general bright about the power of Torah and the power of mitzvot. Kiner mitzvah v'Torah or, because a mitzvah is a candle, and the Torah is light. So, Hatala kasev as a mitzvah b'neir, the verse made a mitzvah dependent on a candle, you know, made it, uh, compared it to a candle, but the Torah b'or, as a mitzvah b'neir, lomar lecha, to tell you, maner ena megina el l'fili sha'ah, some have the gifts of mi'ira l'fili sha'ah, okay, the same way a candle only protects or only gives light for a brief period of time, af mitzvah ena megina el l'fili sha'ah, so a mitzvah will only have the power to protect for a brief period of time, so presumably not one, two, or three years, which is what the Mishnah said. Um, um, one minute. The same way light always protects or gives light. I mean, presumably light just means uh, the light of the world, like a light that's always there. So what? The idea of light. The idea of light, right. The, um, so, Torah protects forever. The Omer, and it says, so therefore, was Torah, we could understand that it would have a strong power to forestall the punishment. But in the, a mitzvah, why does it have such a so powerful... We, we, you missed it. It no, said that it's Ein right. so, But there's a difference between Rimud for the Ohesia and Rimud for Shema, right? So who cares if you're Mitzvah for Ose in terms of the actual Rimud of Torah? The Gemara does not feel that the power of Talmud Torah does not come from it like a heksha mitzvah to enable her to do a mitzvah. If it was just seen as a way of learning the halachas of things she has to do, then how could it be more powerful than the actual mitzvah itself? Then it's just a ha- wrapped up in the value of doing the mitzvah. So the mitzvah, well, but the Gemara assumes that as a Torah lishma, that will not, that does not carry the same value if it's uh, in a mitzvah yosef. That's the Gemara's assumption. Qua the mitzvah of Talmud Torah 
that does not carry the same value. Now it is funny because the Gemara could have said that the power of Torah is not coming from the power of you know the schar and the kiyum hamitzvah shabo. The power of Torah is coming from the actual value of the dvar Hashem shabo. It could have said that, right? But it's interestingly not. At least, I mean, this price isn't denying that. But the stam of the Gemara that's challenging it is somehow assuming that the pa- protective power comes from the power of the value of the kiyum hamitzvah talmud Torah, not from the value of the Torah itself. You know, it's an interesting, like, for example, I mean, it's going to be relevant because, of course, we're going to lead into the whole discussion about, uh, you know, Malamdes, Bita Torah, Lamda Tiflis, or whatever, you know, that the Shulchan Aruch Paskin, that uh, women do not say a bracha on Mitzvah Shazman Grama, if they were to take a lulav. But women do say a bracha if they're, when they are at Birchas Torah in the morning, before learning Torah, they actually do say a bracha. So, like, what's the logic, you know? So, the Salvatic explains, you know, that's not a bracha on the Mitzvah Torah, that's a bracha on the Cheftzvah of Torah. You know, that's a bracha, which is actually true, because has both elements. It's like Shekhi which is sort of like the mitzvah, but then it also has the Harevnas, So it's about the power of Torah. So he says that doesn't matter whether, you know, it's considered like a, your begetter mitzvah or not. So you definitely could have said that in terms of the protective power. I agree with you. But the Gemara somehow is thinking that it comes through the key, the power of the kiyum of the mitzvah. Um, okay. So the Omer and his verse says, mm-hmm. anybody who's, who's been doing daf yomi, that's a passage you should be familiar with. We say it like once every 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 like well, you know one to two months or so. That's yeah, uh, yeah, true. When you in, in your in your walking, it will lead you. So this is referring to the Torah. So the Torah will guide you in this world, right? It's not just a mitzvah. Like the Torah guides you. It gives you direction. It tells you what path to go on. Okay. When you sleep, it'll guard you. Zumisa. It'll be there to protect you even when you die. When you wake up, that will be your speech. In the future, so either that'll be the basis of you uh, living in Tchiyat HaMetim, or Rashi says, when you get up to heaven, the Torah will sort of, uh, you know, um, defend you, speak on your behalf all the Torah that you have learned. So that is the power of Torah. It gives you guidance in this world and it protects you in the future. Future. Okay, it's, compa- it's comparable to a person who is going in the darkness of night. It was like dark and you know and the dark. <laughs> <laughs> and he was afraid from the thorns and from the uh, and from the pits and from the uh, barkanim or other type of thistles. Uh, I know it's not so much different from the kotsim. Anyway, from all the stumbling things on the way, and from and from the you know uh, uh, wild animals and the bandits. And he also, besides just about being attacked and tripping and hurting himself, he doesn't know how to get himself what path to go on, how to get himself out of the forest. He chanced upon, I don't know, maybe he pulled it out of his knapsack, a torch. That helps him. He can see immediately in front of him. So he's not going to trip on the thorns and the thistles and the stumbling blocks and into the pits. Okay, But if that's not enough, I mean, there's still all these evil animals, you know, lurking outside and, you know, and all these bandits and, the la- and one, a torch isn't going to make the difference. So, so, 
again, he still doesn't know which path to go on. Once the morning star rises, then it's day. That's or. Okay? And with the or, these, all these evils of night fade away. Um, so, but he still doesn't know which path to go on. He now, he, well, he's not in danger, but he doesn't know where he's going. He comes to a crossroads. Presumably there's some sign on the crossroads. Otherwise, how would that help him? Anyway, now he's saved. Now he knows what path to go on. So it's not clear what this Parshat Rachim is. Like, we got it. Like, you know, the, 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 the immediate dangers was like the, the, the Ner Mitzvah. You do a Mitzvah and it protects you from like some, some immediate dangers. But it doesn't protect you like long term. It doesn't protect you from bigger dangers or whatever. That's the Torah or That's daybreak. But what is this thing about finding the right path? So the Gemara will... That's the, the, the Tilevo, right? When you, when you die, right? Okay, maybe, maybe. Then I'll give you the right path, whether meaning Gehenom okay. or... Uh, okay, so we'll see. That'll be one answer, that the Torah got you all the way to that point, but it also sounds like there was some other... Maybe it's just Higiyah, it's nothing new. It's just, you know, now it's led you through your entire life and now you're safe, but maybe it's also some other thing is going to help you at this stage, and we'll see about that in the Gemara. The, fu- this function of this Agatha is to go what? Say that the, if she learns no, this Agadita is not about women. This Agadita is just Agadita about the power of Torah. Yeah. Ner Mitzvah, well, I'll tell you. You came a minute late, so I'll tell you. <laughs> Ner Mitzvah, the Torah, or is it, the purpose of this Agadita is the power of Torah compared to the power of a Mitzvah. Right. A Mitzvah just saves you, protects you, like, momentarily right. for a brief period of time. Torah has long-lasting protection. Right. So the Gemara says, what is the protection, that? what is the merit that protects this woman for up to three years from the punishment? It can't be a mitzvah because that's only brief and momentary. Right. But it can't be Torah because she's ain't a mitzvah of Yosa. So how could it be? That was what I was discussing with Michael a minute ago. How could it be that, the, that, that, that her learning of Torah, if she learned Torah, would have that type of a power if she doesn't get the full merit that the learning Torah affords because she's not mitzvah in it. Right. Even if so, she has this, this I, um, I understanding suggests that the power of Torah is so universally built into the structure of the world that it will it, that it makes it obviates the fact that she's not Mitzvah that's what you're saying but that's not what the Gemara is saying the Gemara is quoting this Agadita no the Gemara, you missed the opening line the Gemara is quoting this Agadita and saying if it's Torah she do, that doesn't have its power for her right. if it's Mitzvah here's a whole Agadita that shows you that a Mitzvah isn't strong enough to protect her so it's assuming that the power of the Torah here is not available to her in this degree because she's in a Mitzvah now you could say and Michael could say and I could say we could all say that even if she's not Mitzvah and she doesn't get the merit for Kiyum HaMitzvah Torah but the power of Torah is Dvar Hashem and her connecting to that Dvar Hashem whatever Mitzvah points she does or doesn't get that has a power to protect her right so that you could have said that but for some reason the Gemara is not saying that and it's basically saying at this stage Torah we'll see how it's going to answer in the end Torah does not ultimately afford her that type of protection if she's not Mitzvah. Okay. okay. That is not understood as a Mitzvah Tamil Torah. That's understood as a Heksher Mitzvah for the things she has to do. So if she does, if, if keeping Shabbos doesn't give her this protection, how does learning the Halachas of Shabbos, which is just enabling her to keep Shabbos, give her more protection than the keeping of Shabbos itself? Um, okay. So now the Gemara, so we still don't understand what it is that is protecting her. Um, so it says like this, um, 
Okay, Dabar Acher. Avera mechaber mitzvah, and Avera can extinguish a mitzvah. So, that presumably means extinguish the, um, it might mean extinguish the uh, protection of a mitzvah, which would mean, uh, right, we're going back, of course, to the light imagery, can extinguish a mitzvah, um, where are we? Mechaber mitzvah, ve'en avera mechaber Torah, cannot extinguish the Torah. So it could mean the protection, but then it would be going against, you know, the point about that the mitzvah affords, affords protection. Um, so maybe only affords protection in the absence of avera. But if we think that the protection means protection from being punished from your sins, and mitzvahs at least give that mo- give it for a brief period of time, not a long period of time, what does it mean that the avera extinguishes the mitzvah? So Rashi says extinguishes doesn't mean the protection of the mitzvah, but it extinguishes the, the, the reward of the mitzvah. You've done some mitzvah, you've done some as they wrote, Rasid Lovo, they might cancel themselves out. I mean, it's one thing that the mitzvah might have the ability to a little bit forestall punishment for a brief period of time, but ultimately it will cancel, might be canceled out by as they wrote. But as they wrote will not it's cancel out, or, or I don't know, well, you know, I'm not God's scorekeeper, <laughs> but as will not cancel out Torah. Shana'emar, mayim rabim lo yuchul chabot atahava. Great waters cannot extinguish the love and the love here obviously is talking about love of Torah and of course it's interesting because as the Marshal points out sometimes of course Torah is compared to Mayim but here Torah is a fire right it's a nair it's an or it's these light types of things so the water here is the Averot and ultimately therefore anyway Torah is a lasting long you know all encompassing protection that cannot be extinguished mitzvot is only brief and momentary so we cannot understand that the mitzvah would protect her for long period of time, uh, certainly not up to three years, and we can't understand that the Torah would do this if she's not Mitzvah Vyoseh. So we have a, so, so we're stuck. So let's see what the Gemara is going to say. I'm Rav Yosef. So says Rav Yosef, Mitzvah b'idna da'asikba migana umatzla. He don't know. Here's how it works. Mitzvah, while you're doing the mitzvah, you're giving uh, something to the poor, you're keeping Shabbos, you're taking the lulav, you're sitting in a sukkah while you're doing a mitzvah. So, so migana umatzla. It um, protects you from punishment and Matefield here is understood as we'll see in a minute in the Gemara Rashi says it here but it's based on the name Gemara it protects you from doing a sin so it protects you from, pa- from punishment for the past and while you're doing a mitzvah you're not you know, you know you're, you're, you're being protected from actually right now being tempted into sin but even the low asik bar when you stop as soon as you stop doing the mitzvah agune megana thank you it's st- ooh, it still has protective powers okay but atsule lo matzla but it doesn't protect you from sinning. Torah, so, that, so actually saying, look, mitzvah, its weakness is the ability to have, protect you from straying, from sinning in the future. But actually it does forestall punishment. You know, it does protect you from sin. So that's why it can protect this sota from being punished, this woman from being punished. Okay, and the difference is that Torah has the ability not only to, to forestall punishment, but to protect you from sinning in the future. Okay, uh, blah, 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 where are we? Torah, Torah, whether you're learning Torah or not learning Torah, not only does it forestall punishment, but it also saves you from sinning, which, you know, makes sense, right, about how Torah should shape character and elevate you and set you more on a right path and so on. It's the power of education as opposed to just, you know, doing some ritual. I um, thought you had someone who learns Torah with regularity. In 
was writing a lunch homework once and then 10 years ago. Probably. Yeah, right. That's a good question, too. Right. I don't yeah, know. Question yeah. All right. Good. We can figure it all out. <laughs> anyway, right now, the basic answer is maybe a mitzvah does protect for stall punishment. And the difference between it and Torah is how much it keeps you from sinning. So the Gemara says... Even for stall punishment for three years, then? Yeah, because so we, we even work up to three years. That's our current answer. So the Gemara says... If that's true, how about who basically sinned and attacked David, and um, they in rabbinic literature were like, you know, big Talmud Chachamim. So Milo asked the Torah, they learned Torah, and Milo Higina Layu. Why did it not actually, it should be according to this Matzila Layu. Anyway, why did it stop them from sinning? So there are plenty, there are people who learn Torah, and they go off the derech and they sin, so you can't say the Torah always protects you from sinning in the future. Elama Rava. So it's Rabbi says Rava. Torah, here's how we're going to make the, the split and still get mitzvah protecting this woman from punishment. Torah, even the Asifah, when you're learning Torah, Madana Umatzla, it protects you from punishment. Notice you're also your Osikba. It protects you from punishment and it saves you from sin. Even the low Asikba, when you're not learning Torah, Agune Megana, it can still forestall punishment. Atsue Lo Matzla, but it won't necessarily stop you from sinning. The person could learn Torah and then go ahead and sin after they leave the base network. Okay, but it'll still protect you after you're no, when you're not immediately learning. Mitzvah, a mitzvah, whether you're learning, whether you're doing a mitzvah or not, aguni megana that will protect you. So it'll protect you even after you're done doing it. But even while you're doing a mitzvah, that's not going to have the power to stop you from sinning, which is interesting. Like I don't know, like it'd be pretty uh, hypocritical. But I mean, if you think about, it, on the other hand, you know, talk about like think about like the Mishnah Brewer says, while you're sitting in a sukkah, you should not be talking lashon hara. So <laughs> it's possible, you know. He says you should never talk lashon hara. But how can you be thinking about doing it while you're sitting in a sukkah? So I guess it's possible to be doing mitzvot and to at the same time be sinning. But it's also possible to be learning Torah at the same time be sinning. But okay, the Gemara assumes lesser. So right now, we're trying to construct an answer that explains that mitzvot can protect after you're done doing them and still explains the addition. But what's the additional power of Torah? So we can't say the additional power of Torah is stopping you from sinning after you're no longer learning. We see that's not true. So what it says is, both mitzvot and Torah protect you after you're done. And therefore, a mitzvah could protect this woman after she's done. Torah has the additional power of, of while you're learning Torah, stopping you from sinning in the future. Now, that doesn't work so well with all the lovely metaphors before in the Gemara, you know? It sounded like it was more than just the power to stop you from sinning while you're actually learning. But anyway, that's how the Gemara has now constructed this difference to explain how the mitzvah could forestall punishment for this woman. We're going to have better answers from other answers. Okay? Ravina Amar, Ravina says, I mean, I think, again, for all of us, the best answer would have been, she's not mitzvah in Torah, but the Torah still protects her. But let's see what Ravina says. Ravina Amar, Le'olam Zechus Torah. It is the merit of Torah that protects this woman. With the Ka'amris, Enemitsuviosa, you were bothered, she's Enemitsuviosa, so how could it have such protective powers for her? Uh, it's true she's not commanded but, igra, but in the reward in the merit in the schar that they cause their kids to read Makarian is like read Sukin right? and what? schar schar I said oh yes okay schar yeah that they have their kids read learn Mikra and learn Mishnah basically they wake up their kids and send them 
him off to school. Not and could be, no, not well, it could be, but it doesn't sound like it. Okay, the fact that they're um, that they basically ensure that the kids make it, you know, to cheder of and they basically wait, patiently wait for their husbands to return from the study hall, and they keep the house, you know, nice and clean, and they make the meals or whatever, and they enable. So they're enablers, basically, right? Where, you know, the woman as the kli, the woman as the enabler. She enables, not in a bad way, in a good way, enabling something good, right? She enables her children to go into her boy children to go into learn Torah. She enables her husband to go into learn Torah. So exactly. So. <laughs> so, the Nazi Lugaraya, the Osme, Midrasha, Milo Palgan Bahadayu. So, they get a chalek in that reward. So, if they learn their own Torah, it would only, it would be women's Torah. It would be not of the same level. It would be Enimitsuliosa. But if they're in able men's Torah, then they get a portion in the man's Torah. They're part of the man's Mitsuliosa. And that is what protects them. So, there you go. Not a, not a, not a, not a Gemara that necessarily fits with, uh, Contemporary, contemporary sensibilities. It reminds me of this great line many years ago, decades ago, when my wife was learning in uh, Grisha for like the first time, and uh, and uh, she was learning with the you know it was like this cadre of women that like for the first time in their lives were learning Torah. This one like women learning Gemara was still a pretty new thing. Anyway, so she had this chavrusa who said to her like after like a while, she said, "Wait, wait." She said, "I finally got the system figured out." She said, "Men are Jews." Boys are future Jews. Women are producers of Jews. <laughs> so, so there you go. Men learn Torah. Boys learn Torah that actually understand. Even the kids are under bar mitzvah. Their Torah is still more in the getter of male Torah because eventually there'll be men learning Torah. And the women get the merit for enabling all of that to happen. Well, yes. Point out is that, I mean, just the way that this is sort of... The picture I have in my mind is the counterpoint that we had before. So she's like waiting for her paramour, right? Right. This righteous woman, I think the most. Right. She's waiting for her, her husband. Her husband, right. So I, you know, I think in some ways it's a contrast to what we said before. That, that is know. true. And the Gemara that says before that when a woman commits adultery, like the whole house falls apart because she's right. not attending right. to the exactly. needs of and the here, house. You know. And here, this woman who eventually was accused of being adulterous and maybe actually committed adultery because it's the schus' tolema, so she did commit adultery. But the merit is actually about how much she actually provided a home right. for, for learning and so on. Right. So but it is, I understand. But anyway, especially in the later mission that says, Laolam Yilamid Adam Bito Torah, Right, it is like one does wonder how much. Right, there's always like the question of like what is exactly the you know agenda of the stam? Does the stam have an agenda? Is it just figuring things out? Right, there's nothing that forced the Gemara to go in this direction. Right, as we all said, you know, first of all, if you think about it, we ended yesterday by quoting that merit suspends for three years by Nebuchadnezzar. You know what Nebuchadnezzar's merit was? He gave money to the poor. So there was nothing that forced the Gemara to quote this brayta to make it central to refuse. To to be able to accept the idea that a normal mitzvah could have this merit, to refuse to be able to accept the idea that Torah of an Ena Mitzvah wouldn't have the merit, right? Like, it, it, it didn't have to go down this path for many reasons, right? But one does wonder, given the later part of the Mishnah, which talks about, you know, you know, this Gemara coming right before that or right in that context is actually counterbalancing that message. Besides the fact that, you know, Rebbe, who has it, Rebbe Eliezer himself mm-hmm. already counterbalances that message, is Rebbe Lezer, and says, uh, 
Rebbe Lezer, Kol Malam Bita Tor Malam Tiflus, right, the Gemara here is already saying, whatever merit a woman gets for learning Torah, it's really not intrinsic merit. The real merit is enabling men learning Torah. So it's very interesting given the context that the Gemara, you know, is choosing to bring this up right here. Frame the issues this way. Okay, now the Gemara goes back so to this to this med- to this idea that the Torah got you sort of uh, you know protecting you from the bandits and the and the and the and the, and the uh, wild animals, but um, and, but then you when you came to the uh, crossroads, then you finally knew which path to go on, which of course is that famous Yogi Berra line, which is when you come to a fork in the road, take it. Right. So anyway, <laughs> what good is the Parsha Strachim if you don't know which way you're supposed to go on the Parsha Strachim? Anyway, so let's see what this Parsha Strachim is, which you finally now know the right way to. Go. My, uh, so, so my parshas drachim. What is the crossroads? Ah, Michael, what you said? It's basically no. The Torah leads you through your life. And the crossroads is basically when you're departing your life and going into the next life. And when you're dying. And if, you, if the Torah got you that far, meaning you don't know which path you'll go on, means like, the Torah is protecting you, it's leading you, but ultimately you don't know, are you destined for Olam Haba or not destined for Olam Haba? Will it be there? Will you be able to stay on the right path till the very end? When you get to Parsha Strachim, like the crossroads, right, when you get to actually now leaving this life this and, and to the next world, now now you know that the Torah has protected you and kept you on the right path right till the very end and set you on the path for Olam Haba. Okay? Talmud Chacham means no. Somebody's learned Torah and Pasha Strachim is Yom HaMisa. You've gotten to, you've gotten all the way till, till you know, till the yeah, end. I would have thought it would be more like maybe Sadiq. You know what I mean? No, no, no. It's all about learning Torah. Like a big sinner, you know? But the point though is that no, the Torah did keep you on the right path. There's that presumption. The Torah has been keeping you on the path all the way till that fateful day till the Yiparshas Rachim. But now Umar Yitzchak Amar, no. There you go, Michael. Which is, no, 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 no. Wait, wait, wait. Torah can't do everything. Torah can teach you what's right and wrong. It can't actually make you make the right choices. Ultimately, you need to bring to that a sense of fear of sin, of righteousness. So, the Torah has lit up the world for you. It's the or. You now know how you're going to... You now know what's the right path, but you don't know which path you're going to go on. You don't know you're going to choose the right path. You know what it is, but will you choose it? So that's ultimately you're at the Parsha Strachim. Which path will you choose? And you need the Yerush Chait to help you choose the right path. That's a nice well, metaphor. Well, that too. But here we're talking exactly about the various qualities you need. Now, basically, Torah is good, but ultimately you don't know if your learning Torah will lead you to conclude the right halacha. So, here he's again bracketing the He's assuming you'll make the you'll you know that, that you'll have the character to choose rightly, correctly. But you know, Torah itself doesn't fully light things up for you, right? So Torah itself, you know, because to make the maybe you know it protects you from these bad stuff. But to ultimately show you the right path, you have to translate your Torah into the bottom line halachalamas and come to the right conclusions. Yes. Yeah, what I see, do you see this? Are these three different positions form to me a kind of continuum from the mystical to the rational. Mm-hmm. In other words, does the Torah have a kind of mystical protective right. power that's intrinsic to it? Right. 
or actually, I mean, does it give you sort of guidelines, but you have to bring your rational right. sense of reason. I completely agree. So it's very right. interesting. It goes from the sacramental to right. the rational. Right. And also that the power of Torah... The last two are that the power of Torah is not all-encompassing. It actually cuts away a little into the drasha. Because the first one is, well, Torah might, might, might educate you, but it doesn't necessarily you know, make sure you make the right choices. Which you could say, no, Torah shapes your character and will, make, you know, will give you that yirachet. This acknowledges that's not always true. You can be a big Talmud Chacham and not have the right character. The next one goes even further and says, Torah doesn't even always show you the right choices. Right? You know, you can learn Torah, but not come to the right halachic conclusion. Right. So sometimes, you know, so each one of these actually a little bit pulls the, the... The first one is Torah does everything. You just have to stick with it till you die. The other stuff is Torah doesn't do it all by itself. So that's also part of it. Okay. So, um... you think might be a mitzvah, might not really be a mitzvah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, you can learn Torah, and you'll get merit of learning Torah, but if you learn, you know, you, if, if you weren't asuke shmite the libati so you could go ahead and, and act wrongly because you misunderstood what you were learning. You didn't uh, conclude properly. You see, Michael, that's, this, that, that's your byline. Every time we're learning it off, you're what's the halacha? You want to be a suke shmai I just want to learn Torah. So anyway, <laughs> all right. So the Gemara says like this, So now we're going to analyze this. I'm Rav Yosef. Rav Yosi explained the following pasuk like Sinai, like Sinai, like it was like it was coming straight from Sinai. Whatever. And around to her this rush or understood this pasuk this way. Of course, as the Marsha says, it's a pasuk from. Um, some, we're going we're to be looking at a pasuk from like Shira uh, Shirim. So uh, they couldn't have darshaned this pasuk because it hadn't been written yet. But okay, it doesn't matter. Have they understood this message this way? No, the Gemara is saying this way. Have they understood the message of what Reb Nachem Reb Yossi learned from this Pasuch? Lo Rajvu Basar David. They would not have attacked David. What was the message? Dechsiv. Lemor Elohim Azavu to say that they have abandoned God. So basically this means that Dog Nachitovel figured, look, David sinned. He committed adultery. Notice, by the way, also we're reintroducing adultery now, except by the man. Okay, David committed adultery. So it's proper to go ahead and uh, attack him. He abandoned God. So my darish, if you have a sin of, adult, of, of, of nakedness, of forbidden sex, God will retreat from you. So they figured David committed adultery. He is now susceptible to attack. We can go ahead and attack him. They did not realize it might be true that a sin will extinguish the, 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 the protection of a mitzvah, but will not extinguish the protection of Torah. My, God will not forsake David because of David's Torah. Yeah, he might, if he had just had mitzvahs, it would be one thing, but because David was also a Tom Chacham and a Torah, God did not forsake him. Which again, you know, you have the flip. Here's a man's sexual sin continuing to be protected. Presumably the woman's sexual sin, she continues to be protected, but again, somehow relating to the context of Torah, not just mitzvah. My boz yavozulo, what does the puzzle mean by Shashim Yag? In Kitani, just go home, Beethoven, Ava, right, boz yavozulo, so because of the Ava, Mayim Rabin, Lo Yuchu, Chabot, Ava, so they will actually, like, you know, people will uh, denigrate him if he, uh, you know, if he gives up all of his home for, for, for love. I'm 
Ula Lokishiman Achi Azaria, the Lok Reb Yochanan the Beinisia. You should not not like Shimon the brother of Azaria or Reb Yochanan from the Nasi's house. Meaning what? These were people that learned Torah, but they learned Torah because Shimon's brother supported him. That's why he was called Achi Azaria, and Reb Yochanan learned Torah because he was supported by the Nasi's house. So they weren't willing to sacrifice all for it. They uh, needed to maintain their level of uh, you know their 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 standard of living, and they uh, they got contributions in order to enable that. So that was okay. That's good, but that's not the that's not the uh, highest level. Hello, Kehillo, the Shevna, but like Hillel and his brother Shevna. I bet you didn't know that Hillel had a brother called Shevna. The Chiyasa Rav Dimi Hamar, when Rav Dimi came, he said, Hillel and Shevna Achihavu. Hillel and Shevna were brothers. Hillel asked the Torah. Hillel learned Torah. Shevna Avad Iska. Shevna did business. Lusof Armalei, then Shevna said to Hillel, Tanara Vniflog, you know what? Let's, let's go into a whole, uh, you know, a Yisachar Zulun deal. Let's, uh, I'll, I'll give you half of my earnings and you give me, uh, half of your Torah reward. So, Yatsta Paskov Yamra, Imitanish, just go home, Beto, Be'ava, Bozia, Bozulo. No, he was willing to go ahead and, uh, and give up everything. He did not want to give up, you know, he did not, he didn't, did not want to trade anything for his, for his Talmud Torah. He was willing to give up all all material gain, even people that are willing to support him, that his Torah should like just be his, and that sort of so that would be like you yeah, know the idea. That's that's gain. And here he doesn't want to give up. Yeah, in Torah he won't sell his Torah right. for anything. Right. All right. All right. And so keeping with the theme of Torah, we now turn to the Amud Vat. The name is that I don't know. Okay. So. Um, um, Omer ben Azai, Chayav Adon Lamas Bita Torah. Um, a person is required to teach his Torah, Torah. Now, of course, it's a little bit like, you know, there's like a little like double message here because the Mishnah says you're Chayav to teach your daughter Torah. So if the waters don't work, she'll understand and she won't sort of, you know, uh, question their efficacy. But now it seems like, wait a minute, but if you teach your daughter Torah, won't that actually maybe also be the basis for her to be protected by it? You know, which is sort of what the Gemara has sort of introduced right in the previous discussion, which leads into Rabbi Eliezer's concern that if you're Malam Nisbita Tarkila Malam the Tiflus, because learning Torah might actually uh, be the basis to allow her to sin. So is the Torah for Rabbi Eliezer the basis to allow her to sin because it, uh, because, you know, it protects her from the punishment? Um, or is it the basis to allow her to sin because as it actually, um, you know, she just learns the loopholes. Once she learns the laws and she learns the loopholes, before she didn't realize that there was a loophole. Now she'll learn the loophole and she'll find out, figure out a way to get around it. Or the third thing is, just learning to her in general, you know, makes her more of a nuanced, subtle, crafty type of a thinker and, uh, you know, gives her the catering to figure out how to get around things. Okay? Like, so you know, people... Nothing will happen. She wouldn't be punished. <laughs> she would not be... She, she, punishment. Right. And that's the problem. Right. So, you know, you learn a lot of time or you learn to split hairs. Uh, you know, last night we were going to an event and we parked on the, uh, on the uh, you know, on the street and the sign said, like, Parking, you know, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., Monday through Thursday, uh, what is it, like, uh, li- licensed vehicles only, you know, uh, li- official vehicles only, and then underwear that said, NYP license holders only. So we're doing, like, a whole Rashi and Tosvos. Is the NYP license holders only during the 7 to 7 hours? Or is that, like, a separate din? And even if you're not during the 7 to 7, it's only... <laughs> so, like, that's what happens. You learn too much Torah. You have everything. You sort of figure out all these distinctions. Anyway, okay. Ah, so, <laughs> the, yeah, the car was there. We didn't have a ticket. 
So we, <laughs> all the Chachamim decided that it was the same. It was a Xerish Shava of licensed vehicles. Anyway, okay, Tiflisal Kedaitich. So, okay. Actually, the Gears and the Mishnah is you teach her Tiflis. By the way, in terms of what does Tiflis mean, it seems very clear because it contrasted in the Mishnah, A, the context of sexual sin, B, it contrasted with Shapricious. It seems very clear it's about sexual sin. I did a little bit of a look and, you know, like one, or, one place it's not exactly about sexual sin. Like one place it sort of talks about like divrei, uh, something like divrei shtus v'tiflus, which is not clear whether it's shtus or it's something similar to shtus, but it could be like sexual types of, 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 of uh, you know, banter. But another place it also speaks like about when B'nai Israel were complaining about the man and it says shetaflu al-haman, shedivu divrei tiflus or shetaflu al-haman, which clearly is not sexual sin. It's clearly some type of derogatory speech. On the other hand, other places clearly it's about sexual issues. Um, it speaks about why women and slaves cannot be in a zimun together, and it says mishum tiflus. So presumably it doesn't just mean that they're going to be talking about the ball games or something, you know. <laughs> it presumably has something sexual. Or another good example is it's talk when it's talking about um, about uh, about actually uh, a different haman about a It says you know the way of like Torah like of uh, Israel is that when they get together they talk tivei Torah, but the way of like Rishayim or whatever is when they get together they talk tivei Tiflus. And so it was with Hachashverosh. They were all there at the Seuda, and you know these you know these officers were saying the 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 the, 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 the Medios are the most beautiful women, and the others said the Persians are the most beautiful women. And this one has the most beautiful women, and he says, oh, none of you have seen my wife Vashti, etc. So clearly there it's talk around sexual matters. So it, anyway, it definitely seems that even though it might sometimes just mean like you know uh, um, like negative talk or disrespectful talk. It really very often has the specific context of talk relating to sexual issues or just in general sexual issues. So therefore, um, that's what Rabbi Eliezer says. So the Gemara says, You really think the Torah is tiflus? You're teaching her tiflus? That's what Torah is? So it's like you taught her tiflus. Obviously, it's not Torah's Torah, but it, it's the same effect of teaching her that because again, it teaches her to be crafty. It teaches her what the loopholes are in this particular area of halacha, etc. Um, and I'm a Rebbe of my time at Rebbe Lezer. What's the reason Rebbe Lezer? Dachiv ani chachma shachanti arema. I am wisdom. I have dwelt with the craftiness. Kevan shenichnas chachma ba'adam nichnasa imo armumis. Once wisdom goes into a person, they develop a, you know, more subtlety and craftiness. So, of course, the question is, and what about men? So, again, it's an interesting question. Does it mean that, well, men, you can't help it, like they're already learning. So, you know, they have a mitzvah to learn. You've got to deal with it. Or does it mean somehow, no, we trust men with that type of, you know, we, with, that, with that ability more than we trust women. Um, so, I mean, um, so that's not exactly clear, the, um, but exactly how it deals with that issue for men. Um, Rabbanan, what do the rabbis say who say it's not a problem to teach Daughter Torah, and maybe you should teach her Torah. What do they do with that? So, Arma here is not craftiness, but naked. If you're willing, like we said before, like to give up everything, you know, make yourself naked, not pursue any, any, you know, any pleasures or whatever, and just to devote yourself 110% to learning Torah, that was the way you'll learn Torah. Anyway, Rashi, I think, says, though, I read it as naked, but Rashi says, Keep me. 
keeping the meaning of crafty, not naked, but you scheme to find any opportunity to learn Torah. Oh my God, I heard there's a shear over here. I've got to run and hear from it. I heard that this rabbi's in town. I want to hear what he has to say. You know, you're always finding opportunities to gather and learn at every opportunity. So you're using your, 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 your sort of craftiness but towards, uh, you know, gathering as much Torah as possible. I'm you have to sort of make yourself like self-negation. You have to, you know, be prepared to give up everything, not hold your, not hold by yourself. Compared, you know, just 100% self-sacrifice for Torah. and wisdom may say will come from nothingness. I mean, literally, it means where will wisdom come from? But it means will wisdom will come from nothing. If you make yourself like nothing, you know, that's how you'll be able to learn Torah. Now, Tosus quotes a very uh, important Yerushalmi because it gives insight into Rabbi Eliezer's position. Let's take a look at the at the at Tosos Ben Azay Omer. This is Chayav Adam. So Tosos Yerushalmi. Ben Azay Ben Azay who says that a person has to learn teaches Torah. It's not like Rabbi Eliezer Ben Azariah. It's not like Rabbi Eliezer Ben Azariah. Darish Hakel Ta'am Hanashim Ganashim Ve'Ataf. So, uh, so what is this? So, this is Rebelezer Ben Azariah's Russia. So, Anashim Bo Lilmod. Men are coming to learn. Nashim Boim Lishmoa. So, that sounds like, you know, according to, Rebel, according to uh, Ben Azai, women are also coming Lilmod. There's an intrinsic value in a woman's learning Torah. This makes women's learning of Torah only instrumental. Lishmoa. Now, what does Lishmoa mean if it's not for the sake of learning? Venera, the parish, the mitzvah Lishmoa, Nashim, Kidei, Shiyedu, Lakayim, mitzvah. So you see, according to this Russia, women are coming to here. It doesn't mean that they're coming intrinsically for the purpose of learning Torah. They're coming to learn instruction so that they can understand how, how to do how to do the mitzvot. So that, on the one hand, does not say that there's no not a value for women learning Torah, right? It's not like it's not like Rebel Ezra of Kilu Lamda Tiflus. It's a middle position, right? There's one position: teach your daughters Torah. Like there's value in learning Torah for its own sake. There's another position. No, it's the worst thing possible. Lambda Tiflis is a middle position. It's actually good that they're learning about the mitzvahs and the halachas that are relevant, but it's not necessarily, it's not a bad, but it's, on the other hand, it's not an intrinsic good. It's a good because it enables them, or it's a means towards an end. Um, although it's interesting. Tezos contrasts it not to an intrinsic good, like Torah Lishma. He contrasts it to, they're not, they're not going to Hakel to learn in order to know Shahazachus <laughs> be pretty funny. That's the reason to go to Hakel. All the women come here so you can learn this one lesson of Hazachus Anyway, but presumably it sets up like these three levels, right? That's intrinsic good. Essentially, it's almost a Torah for its own sake and what it has to teach you intrinsically as a means towards Kiyu Mitzvos. And the third level is actually a bad thing. And now we get to the position of Rebelezer that says it's a bad thing. So in our mission, we only know it's bad in the context of Sota. But we don't know that Rebelezer has other problems with women learning Torah. Let's take a look now as the Ushami continues in the first narrow line of Toslos. Matrona Shalat a certain matron, a Roman uh, woman, asked Rabbi Eliezer, There was one sin, they all were Ovid of Adazar, but there were these different deaths, right? Some of them died by the sword, some of them died by the Magefa, some of them died by drinking the water that Moshe made them drink. Amar and he refused to answer. He said to her, Or you might have heard that, which is why the school in Israel, the girl's school, is called Pelach. 
It was done explicitly, ironically, for this purpose. I'm serious. That's why. So it says, the wisdom of a woman is only in her, like, uh, what's it called? Her, uh, her symbol. Okay? Only in her sewing. Women shouldn't be learning Torah. Okay? Uh, so, uh, the, actually, the actual language of the Yerushalmi is slightly different. It's the same point. Let me see if I can just pull it up. I had it out here before. Hold on. Belech the even has Yerushalmi on it. Okay? He says like this. He says, um, uh, it says like this. He says, a woman's wisdom is only in her knitting. What did the wise women did? They knit. So women should just go knit. Okay? So she was not happy with that, and this was a wealthy Roman woman. So Amalo Horkinis, but no, Horkinis, his son said to Rabbi Eliezer, you didn't want to answer a one question about the Torah, which was a completely legitimate question. Because the Yerushalmi goes on and says, after she left, the student said, okay, you, you, you know, you pushed her away, but it was a good question. What's the answer? And he gave him an answer. It was a good question. But so, well, it was actually a good question. But because you refused in principle to answer a woman's question, he says, she used to give me meister 300 core, and now she's <laughs> you've insulted her. You know, you've made me lose thousands of dollars because you refused to teach her one little piece of Torah. Amalei, he said to him, Yisrafu divrei Torah, v'lo yimsuru divrei Torah l'nashim. Better that Torah should be burnt rather than it should be given over to women. There actually was a book, I think by Vanessa Ox or whatever. Anyway, by, by a woman who actually, after like a year of learning, you know, she, anyway, and how the first time she had learned Torah and how it had opened up these vistas for her. Anyway, she wrote a book called Words on Fire. <laughs> he opened it with this quote from Emiliezer, put the Yisrafu divrei Torah, v'lo yimsuru l'nashim. So it's actually interesting, right? Here you have Torah being scraped into the water to test the woman, right? And here Rabbi Eliezer is preparing to burn Torah rather than to give it over. Like the Torah has to be protected, you know, from the women. So it was not just this concern about Milam the Tiflis. He actually had a much, uh, you know, he, he really was very principally opposed to, maybe again, it's your Milam the Tiflis. They're going to misuse it. They need to know their place. You know, they can't be in the same conversation with men. So that was his position. Okay, back to the Gemara. Rabbi Yoshua Omer. Now, Rabbi Yoshua sort of, again, focuses on the idea of the uh, women. Again, as we've seen, this sort of informs this whole discussion of Sota. How much is this uniquely women are the sinners and the ones who commit adultery? Although it usually takes two to commit adultery. But anyway, you know, but, you know, completely focusing on, on women's sexual sins and how much do you broaden it and say, you know, men sin as well and are the men, you know, is the woman sinning because of the man? What, you know, what sort of, how did he contribute? So here in this Mishnah, in addition to this question of teaching them Torah, it's like, Oh, you're just you're going to teach them Torah because women are also are always looking for loopholes in order to find an opportunity to sin sexually. But it obviously ties back to different attitudes in terms of how to think about Sota altogether. So that's what Rabbi Yoshua says. Wrote to Isha Bekavatiflus, a woman would rather have one measure and the opportunity to have more sexual freedom than to have nine measures and have to have more separation, like like more asceticism, you know, or less sexual freedom. So my kamar, what's he saying? Hachi kamar. Wrote to Isha Bekavatiflus. A woman would rather have one measure and the ability to have greater 
sort of uh, sexual opportunities in Mitisha covering with priesthood. Nine measures without it. Now, what does this mean? So Rashi explains. If you take a look at Rashi, two, three lines down in the narrow lines, Rashi She'd rather that their husband not go, you know, you know, have a, you know, have a more modest uh, income, um, and you know, he has more modest food. And her uh, sexual desire, again, is, you know, what's the bad? I mean, it's a woman who wants to be with her husband. Like, why is that seen as something bad, right? You know, that's also very strange. Like, you know, Onasalo Yigran, we're supposed to talk about the value of marital sex and so on, and here it's all being cast as a negative. She wants to be with her husband. She'd rather her husband get a lower-paying job and be home more often so she could be with him more, right? Mitisha Kavim, where were we? I skipped on. Kavim, appreciously, froze me Therefore, because obviously it will sort of set them off the path. But anyway, but the point being that because then it will teach them how to cheat also. But the bottom point is, is um, I mean, Tosos explains it more clearly. Look at Tosos. I mean, maybe in Rashi it wasn't so much about her husband. I was actually, Rashi just says she'd rather, you know, have greater sexual freedom. But Tosos explains it about her husband. Look at Tosos. He should be a donkey driver. Okay, the Matsui Etzla Bechol Shabbat, and he should be home more often. He's home every Shabbat, so she's able to be together with him once a week. Latik La Anota to have marital, you know, uh, uh, sex. Below Yavila El Akav Chitim Bavad, and he earns a meager income. For Gamal, he'd rather he be that than he'd be a camel driver. Shaholik B'Derek Richoka that he goes far away and long trips. Ain't a losing Lo Ona Elachas L'Shoshim Yom, and he's only home once a month. Davol Bisha Maybe Lo Uscharot. And even though he'd make a lot bigger income that way, she'd much rather have him present every week, every Shabbos. Okay, which is, that seems lovely. What's the matter with that? <laughs> and I would think that husbands also should feel that way, right? So it's, uh, you know, it's uh, very strange. I mean, Rashi didn't say it's about husband and wife. He just said in general. But here, okay, you know, why is that being cast as a negative is not at all clear. And that's why it's a danger to teach a because then she's going to be looking with sex with another man. What? Anyway, all right, so now the Gemara continues. Chassid Shota, he said, a, a stupid chassid, uh, a stupid uh, uh, righteous person, um, and, um, um, and, you know, and a, what was it, and a, uh, there's a whole list. We're going to do just the Chassid Shota right now. Oh, we're going to do two. He said, a Chassid Shota, a stupid righteous person, Varusha Arum, and a crafty wicked person, Visha Purusha, and a woman who is ascetic, you know, which presumably means that he thinks that it's only a, a, it's a fake, that women don't really, or won't really choose that. He pretends to be Umaka Trushim, and sort of people that are these uh, self-flagellating, you know, ascetics, which he also thinks is like a false type of a righteousness, you know, they destroy the world. I'm sorry, what did you say? All right, they all walk into a bar. Exactly, okay. So what's a chassid shota? So... Rabbi, Rabbi and a priest and a minister walk into a bar and bartender says, what is this, a joke? Okay, anyway, <laughs> that works all the time. Anyway, a woman is drowning in the river. Okay, and to save her. 
So, uh, sadly, there are people who would react that way. Tosvos has another version of it. Actually, this is very nice, because this actually shows about, like, it's around the whole sexual issue, and about not being too from, like, in a way that actually ignores real lives and issues that are going on. Anyway, if you take a look at Tosvos, Hechidami Chasid Shota, Yerushalmi, Ratinok Mevadeyam Benahar, so an infant drowning. Amar Lechash Echot Tzfilin Hatzilin, oh, wait, I gotta take off my tzilin, I gotta finish my nestry first. Okay, Akashu Cholet Tzfilin, Hotizet Nafsha, while you're busy, you know, finishing up your davening and taking off your tefillin, this guy has grabbed. It's a very mm-hmm. nice pun. Yeah. Chiflut and tefillin. Oh, I didn't, that's cute. I didn't think about that. Like, yeah. What is the source of that word? In other words, it bothered me for right. years to get it. But really, right. Like the Mishnah juxtaposes tiflut to shtia. Right. In other words, if she learns Torah, She's turning it just into dirty water, like that's like a very limited, like yeah. Like, what's the word? Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, okay. All right, you can do research and come back to us tomorrow. I'm going to be okay. So, okay, so that was Chassid Shota. We could have a lot of fun thinking up other versions of Chassid Shota. But now we get to Hechi Dami Rasha Arum, which is interesting because, like, what do you mean a Rasha Arum? Anybody that's, you know, wicked and is also crafty. But apparently the idea is, is that the craftiness, because of the whole Mavli Olam, the problem with Mavli Olam is that they're not exactly what they seem. person seems to be, oh, I'm so firm, but you're from kite comes at the expense of, of uh, 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 it's not real righteousness it comes at the expense of other people oh you appear to be you know such a tzaddik that you're constantly self-flagellating but that's not real tzidkos right you appear to be this woman appears to be a prusha but she's not really a prusha so a rosha arum presumably is somebody who, who does his rishos ba'armimus like he does his rishos with craftiness so it's not clear to people that he's really a rasha yeah, okay and that seems to be the issue of the rosha arum so let's yeah, but let's see what this Russia Arum is. Actually, he actually he's like you know he comes he comes early to the court case and he starts telling to the judge what the case is. So what that does is that even if the judge thinks oh I'm going to be impartial, once the case issue has been framed in a particular way, it's very hard to shift your paradigm and to appreciate the other way in which you know the other version of the events. Right? You've already started fundamentally with this version of the event. And that's a real problem. There's actually a lot of hearing one of the Bali Din before the other one is present. And it really does bias you. Um, okay. So anyway, but what did I do? Uh, I, didn't, I didn't lie. I didn't bribe. I just got started. You know, you were a few minutes late. I was a few minutes early. I just got started. So it's very, you know, very uh, subtle, but very, you know, very uh, impactful. Um, okay. That you actually, oh, I'm going to be a tzaddik. This, uh, I'll give this money. I'll give him a dollar. Now, the thing was, was that he had 199 zuz, which technically put him under the line of poverty. Okay? Under the poverty line, which means that he is entitled um, to, or in the poverty line, whatever. It anyway, means he's entitled to collect, you know, pay a leket, etc. He's considered an ani. Once you gave him this one dollar, he's no longer an ani. He's not entitled. Sort of like somebody who makes just enough not to be eligible for financial aid, but not enough to actually afford what college costs, okay? So you actually gave this person just enough to make them no longer eligible for matna saniyam. I, I gave the guy, a, you know, I was nice to him. I gave him a ten bucks, okay? But after, it's a year or it's a year. Uh, no, he actually had either matayim zuz in um, 
you know, uh, like currently has his assets, or 50 zuz invested. Either way, that's considered to be not an ani. Okay, Nan. If somebody has 200 zuz, um, he cannot take them out because he's already not considered an ani. If he was missing one din or short, you can give him, at that moment, he's an ani, and you can give him $10,000 worth of, you know, of paya, or meister ani. Okay, afterwards, after he takes it, he can't take any more. But that one thing you could give him, because at that moment of that exchange, he was an ani. Okay, so anyway, but what you did is, here he was coming, knocking at your door for meister ani, and actually, before you said, you know what, before I give you the meister ani, here, you know, just take this 20 bucks, okay, I want to, <laughs> oh, too bad, now I can't give you meister ani. Okay, although I don't get the point, you have to eventually give meister ani to someone, but whatever. Take the pay or the and turn it into merchandise? He can. He can. Yeah, sure. Okay. You give advice to somebody to sell when there's a small estate. What does this mean? If it's a small estate, then the male heirs cannot, don't actually inherit anything because all of the estate is earmarked to support the, uh, to their sisters in terms of mizonot. So, you know, because the sisters are right, have a lien on the estate and a right to be supported until they basically get married. But the thing is, is that if the male heirs go ahead and sell off the estate, then, um, then the, the, the sisters only have a lien on the real estate that was inherited. If it was actually sold and, and liquidated, the sisters don't have a lien. So you go and you basically say to the guys, you know what, actually it might be in your interest to go ahead and just like sell this off and to liquidate this. Now what are you doing wrong? You're just giving the boys some advice. You know, and actually Tosu says, and actually, it might not be wrong for the boy, for, for the sons to do that. But what's wrong is for you, who doesn't have any any like horse in the race. You know, you don't have a stake in it, and you're just coming in and hurting some people to the benefit of other people. Okay. We'll just read this last one. That you give advice again, advice that unsolicited advice that hurts some people, helps others, like Rebbe Gamliel, or to sell the to sell to sell the property. What is this? The Tanya. If you say, I'm going to give all of my, 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 my property to Shimon, and after Shimon dies, it'll, it should go over to, I mean, I'll give it all to Reuben, and after Reuben dies, it'll go over to Shimon. And the first one went and he sold off the property that you gave him. So the second guy, once Reuben dies, can take the property back from whoever purchased it from Reuben, because it's coming to him. That's what Rebbe says. No, the second guy gets only what Reuven actually left over. But if Reuven sold it, it only goes straight from Reuven to Shimon. If Reuven sold it in his life, Shimon never gets it. So you go and you tell Reuven and you say, hey, you know what? If you want to keep this in your, you know, you want to keep this proper, the, the, the value of this property and pass it on to your kids, you should sell it and you can pass on the proceeds to your kids and then it won't go over to Shimon. So you're sort of, you know, you are subverting the intent of the original person who gave it. Um, but, you know, you're just, uh, what, what do you want from me? I'm just giving uh, Reuven some good financial advice. But presumably, again, Tosu says it wouldn't be wrong for Reuven to do it, but it's wrong for you to do it just stam, hurt one person and subvert the intent without having a particular stake. Again, if he hired you as his financial planner, maybe it wouldn't be. But in this case, it's, it can seem as, in, as inappropriate. Okay? And I guess we'll end here. We'll pick up with more Russia Arum. There's two more examples, but, we, but not to rush it. We'll pick up with that tomorrow. Okay. Okay.